Cloud. Morning, Jim. Morning, Jack. All right, NBA All-Star Weekend was this past weekend. Uh, the game itself, kind of ridiculous with the amount of points scored, 211-86. to 86. Carl Anthony Towns, he scores 50 for the West, and Anthony Edwards scored four in 13 minutes. Uh, any takeaway from what you saw this weekend? Oh, I just think it was a really cool weekend for the Wolves as an organization and for Towns. Uh, the Wolves, you know, they've been laughing stocks for a long time. They were even getting made fun of because Jimmy Butler, you know, tried to insult them all uh, while he was here on his way out the door. That wasn't that long ago. Towns, and, you know, if, if you read like Chris Hines' coverage in our paper uh, today, you know, Anthony Edwards talks about what a great person Towns is. Chris Finch talked about what a great person he was and how welcoming he was, even under difficult circumstances when he first got here. He made way for Gobert. He treats people throughout. I know people at all levels of the organization, they all love Carl Anthony Towns. He treats everybody really well. So for him, a year after he was, you know, sick and injured, uh, for him to score 50 points in an all-star game, listen, of course there was no defense play. We know that. But he's... He, Still have to make shots. It's still not easy to hit a three-point shot in competition, even in this kind of competition. So, 50 points isn't a big deal, but it was a cool moment, you know. And and he did it with his coach, who you know who has a, he has a great relationship, standing there cheering him on. Edwards uh, took it easy because he's a sore knee. He didn't want to play too many minutes, uh, which is a good thing for the Wolves. And they're going to come out of the All-Star break really healthy, playing well, uh, with a lot of good feelings from this weekend, uh, and. It just moves them farther away from being the team that everybody used to laugh at. Well, and it was kind of nice to see Towns was playing hard at the end. I mean, he was still dunking it. Everybody else was walking around. He's dunking it, and he's shooting threes. It's like, well, at least one guy's trying out here. Yeah, and also because it wasn't a competitive game and they weren't going to win no matter what happened, uh, you know, his teammates were like, let's get Carl to to 50, which, again, is a cool thing. I mean, it's, you know, it's... uh, the NBA is at its worst when we see individual play and selfishness. But often you don't see that. The Wolves are not a selfish team. Um, the, you know, as soon as the, his teammates realized he was having a special night, his teammates fed him in the All-Star game. Any of them could have shot the ball at any time. Um, there are a lot of unselfish NBA players. There are a lot of NBA players who get it, and I think we saw that this weekend too. What do you think about the uh, the skills competition, the three point shooting competition? The uh, um, Steph Curry went up against a WNBA player in a separate competition, and he had the slam dunk comp- uh, competition too. It was kind of fun. I actually think we're getting to a point where almost all the All Star games are the the comp- the skills competitions, the 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 extracurricular stuff is almost better than the games, with the possible exception of baseball because. As I always say, baseball is the one all-star game where the defense is trying as hard as it can, uh, and the game still feels like the game. Uh, but I, yeah, it was fun. I, I didn't sit and stare at it, but I kind of had it on in the background. Towns uh, almost won the three-point shooting contest. Uh, again, it's re- reminding people that he's one of the greatest shooting big men of all time. Uh, it was fun. The players, you know, I mean, it's, it's it's hard to make a three-pointer, and these people are incredible. I mean, remember when they, the NBA installed the three-point line, it was to allow teams that were down like 20 points to have a chance to come back. Uh, Nobody envisioned that people would just be shooting them like layups like they are now. It's incredible how skilled the modern player is. And then Steph Curry against Caitlin Clark, uh, one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. That was fun. Yeah, it was all good. It was all good stuff. You just, you know, you just have to understand the game is not going to be a competitive game. 
The uh, Gopher men's basketball team played last night, and they uh, knocked off Rutgers by a final score of 81-70, to 70, led by as many as 17. Looked like with four minutes left, they, I think they had a 15-point lead at that point, was just going to be an easy walkover. And then they turned it over a bunch of times. Rutgers put on the press, um, got as close as six, made you sweat a little bit, but uh, they still get the win. Uh, your thoughts on last night's victory? Farrell Payne really had a, a breakout game. He's had one other big scoring game in his career. Uh, and you could, you could, I think if you watch him, I mean, you could see it coming the last month or two. I mean, he's, he's becoming a bigger part of the rotation. He's taking on more responsibility. Uh, he's finding more ways to score. So, uh, you know, they needed to win, period, whatever it looked like. And then the fact that Payne came on strong, uh, yeah, th- that's the interesting thing about this team. You've seen F- Payne improved during the season. You've seen Christie improve during the season. You've seen, uh, you know, the guards have been, the, the starting guards have been pretty good throughout. You've seen Ola Joseph adapt to a bench role. You've seen, um, you have seen individual improvement. I think in general, you've seen team improvement. Uh, they just have to win games now. And you know, there's a path, if you look at their schedule, there's a path to 11-9. and nine. You get to 11-9 in the Big Ten. Right now, they're seventh in the Big Ten. Uh, you get to 11-9 in the Big Ten, you're the top half of the conference. You're probably going to the NCAAs. That would be a, a major breakthrough for Ben Johnson. So with the uh, the games they've got left, six left, three of them are in the home against teams below them in the standings. Certainly that would be three of them that you would need to get to to get to those, to get to 11. Then the road games are at Nebraska, which I think is next Sunday. Um, and then it's at Illinois and at Northwestern. Of the road games, what is the most likely to get? Nebraska. And, you know, also give you the benefit if you win at Nebraska, then you're probably, you know, you have a chance to get to 11 pretty quickly. Um, Ohio State, they play Thursday at home. Ohio State actually just beat Purdue after their coaching change. So you don't know, you don't know what you're going to get there. But, you know, that, sh- they sh- that should be a winnable game, even if it's not an easy game. Um, and last game of the season at Northwestern, Northwestern has been very good, but they're not unbeatable. Illinois is very good. That's probably the toughest on the schedule. Northwestern's good, but, you know, if you want to get to the Israeli tournament, you should have to beat a good team here or there. What do you think about Purdue dropping a game? Uh, and uh, one of the things that I noticed in that game is that the defenders for Ohio State, anytime Edie, Zach Edie, the 7-4 center, brought the ball down in any way to his chest or to his waist, that they were slapping at the ball and, in a lot of cases, forced turnovers or at least stopped him from being able to make that post move, which has been so successful for him. Uh, your thoughts on what they, you know, that whole game plan? I mean, that's what I'd do. I mean, if you know, he's seven four with long arms, and he can get pretty good, and he's strong enough to get a good position. I mean, if you let him have the ball inside, he's going to score, or he's going to get his own rebound if he misses. Uh, I think I think it's brilliant. It, yeah, if if he makes the very basic technical mistake of lowering the ball when he's the tallest guy on the court, you should attack him. You should absolutely attack him. So. Uh, that was that was a good game plan. I don't know if the Gophers did that enough. Jim, the Wild are going to play a day game today here on President's Day against Vancouver at 1 o'clock this afternoon. They had a heck of a game but still lost to Buffalo on Saturday in overtime. Your thoughts on how the Wild have been playing? I mean, I mean they've been playing well. They've been taking advantage of the schedule, which has been relatively easy lately. And then they have a lead late in the game at home against a bad Buffalo team and they give up a late goal to tie and then they lose in overtime. Um, it just feels too much like the rest of the season where they show you that they're good enough to win and then they don't win. Um, 
And they're, you know, they're kind of in a four-team fight for one playoff spot. Uh, they're not in terrible position if they keep winning, but, you know, I don't know. There's no way to predict what's going to happen here. Uh, you know, you're trying to predict how four different teams are going to play down the stretch. I have no idea. So the Wild are playing well enough to win a playoff spot in general, but they just can't have games like that where they kind of dominated play. They should have gotten two points, and they end up with one. Uh, Jim, some other things going on. Uh, we've got the Twins. Pitchers and catchers are there. Their first spring training game, they got the Gophers Friday. They play the Pirates on Saturday. Uh, there's still a lot of free agent players sitting out there. Uh, it's strange that we're opening up camp and that there's still some prominent free agents unsigned. Um, I guess we've kind of seen the trend going toward this the last couple of years. Yes. And, you know, I've always said free agency really, I mean, occasionally, occasionally a team signs a big free agent and everything turns out fine or well. Um, and, you know, like Corey Seager, you know, they, the Texas Rangers signing him started moving them toward a, a point where they could go win a World Series. It can't happen. It's amazing how often it doesn't work. It's amazing how often you spend money in free agency and you regret it. Um, it's amazing how often the player doesn't fit in or doesn't have a good year or even if they have a good year, they don't elevate the franchise the way you hope they would when you spent the money. So I just honestly, fans want every team, their team to spend all their money every year and it's an easy thing to want it's just amazing how often it doesn't work out so i think the modern general manager looks at it and says is this guy who wants 20 million dollars or 10 million dollars whatever it is and is going to tie up my funds is this guy really that much better than the prospect i have at triple a um, or is he really be better than this guy who's already on the roster and wouldn't it be smarter to start the season, see how things develop, and then see if I still want that kind of a player, and maybe I can trade for him? You know, I mean, I just, I just think modern baseball executives have woken up to the fact that free agency is often an ineffective way to build a team. Twins pretty set with their roster, in your opinion? Yeah. Um, well, yes. Um, you know, I know fans are obsessing over the fact they don't have a lot of starting rotation depth, but they have. Young pitchers they like. Uh, they have uh, an incredibly deep bullpen. They haven't announced a final uh, decision on Louis Varland, who could be either an extra starter or a short reliever, even though obviously the numbers say he should be a short, dominant reliever. Um, you know, so, and they think they, it, they're kind of hinting that Austin Martin could be the backup center fielder who would, you know, alternate with, uh, with Buxton. Uh, Carlos Santana kind of tied, you know, he gave him another right-handed bat and a first baseman and a potential DH. I, I mean, I just don't see much room for an average free agent to come in and make an impact. Uh, and unless they have an injury or unless they figure out Buxton isn't going to be able to play a lot of center field, then they'll probably need one more player. You think Michael A. Taylor still might be on the radar? Uh, I think, I don't think he wants to come back here if Buxton, if, I mean, it's, pretty mutual i mean if, if buxton's going to play a lot in center field then taylor doesn't want to be here and they don't want to spend the money on him and have him just sit on the bench if they get to a point where it looks like buxton isn't going to play a lot of center field then taylor would again make sense all right jim what do you got in your podcast uh full slate is up a good chin music with lavelle talking about twins issues and the roster is up uh good preps today with john Malay. we have uh john krasinski show is up jeff diamond on the vikings offseason moves and the coaching cycle and everything's at talknorth.com.
All right, Jim, thank you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Jim. It's Jim Suhan, Star Tribune Sports Columnist, joining us every weekday morning at this time. Follow him on Twitter at Suhan Strib. Check out his latest column in the Star Tribuners podcast at talknorth.com. Jim, today brought to you by the Green Mill in downtown St. Cloud. Next on WJON, World of National News from ABC, followed by local news.